yesterday. All my troubles seem so far away. Now it looks as though they're here to stay. Oh, I believe in yesterday. Suddenly, I'm not half the man I used to be. There's a shadow hanging over me. Oh, yesterday came suddenly. Welcome to this week's episode of TCU's Three Wise Men, where your three favorite geniuses give our not-so-genius takes on all things TCU football, as well as some other interesting things around the country. Before we dive into this episode, we want to say that all three of us, our prayers are with Aubrey Burks and Trey Lathan, who both took some pretty rough injuries during that game. We were not at the game. If you heard fans booing, it was not the three of us. Our prayers are sincerely with them, and we hope for speedy recoveries and nothing but the best for those guys. With that, let's get into this game. We always tend to start with what went wrong before we went into what went well. This week, we've got a lot to talk about with what went wrong. So what what went wrong this week, boys? Well, first off, my mute button. Uh, secondly, well, coming from you live from the Hilton Head Airport. So sorry if you guys hear all the craziness behind me. But um, I, the first thing I'll say is that I, I think in general, our offense didn't look great. Um, I would start with our interior of offensive line. It seems to be a running theme for us where we're just not giving Chandler the prote- protection that he needs to be able to read the defense. Um, I, I think that kind of translates into how Chandler plays as a whole. Um, but I would say we need more from our offense. I, I don't necessarily think that Browse did a terrible job of play calling all things considered but we we need to have a a better output from them yeah and i think if you hear barrett saying that bryles didn't do a poor, poor job overall it really wasn't all that bad i think the execution from the offense was was not up to par especially in the second half. I thought we started off all right, but the second half was bad. And again, red zone offense was really bad. We just cannot finish drives. I don't know why, but anytime we get inside the opponent's 30, we just don't understand what a football is. And that has to change but to go along with the offense i think it might be time for a special teams overhaul or something because it was bad in all three phases of special teams punting returning and kicking yesterday kel had an absolute disaster class well, and you know what? With Kel, when they uh, when they were talking about it, at I think it was his second missed field goal when they were talking about this. Um, 
we ran a bazooka style thing where the clock was the play clock was running down and we ran out and I was sitting with a guy watching the game and I looked out and I said the difference between this year and last year last year looked magical it looked like we practiced that and knew what we were doing this year it just looked disorganized we just didn't look like we were there like even if the clock wasn't running now we were just all over the place Man, it was rough watching those two blocked kicks and then the miss. I think it was short by a lot, which I don't really blame him for. He was kicking like a 59-yarder because of that absolutely bull crap. You know, or not ineligible receiver, but um, intentional, grounding. intentional grounding. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Call. Yes. Man, like, okay. I guess I understand why they called intentional grounding. But watching on TV, that was so obvious why the receiver just stopped running his route. It was complete miscommunication. And watching them normally, like watching games normally, those are usually let go by the referees because they understand exactly what happened. Like it wasn't just a throwaway. So the fact that that was actually called, I couldn't believe. Yeah, and to kind of go back to your, your first point on special teams and continue that thing, thought Sandy didn't look good. Like, he had a lot of really bad short punts. Um, I thought that, honestly, like, JoJo Earl has consistently shown up in this section of, like, what didn't go well. And he muffed a couple of punts. He's He hasn't looked good in the return game. He obviously has a ton of drops as a receiver. Like, he's he's not showing that he deserves to even be on the field at the current moment, which is really, really tough to see when you have a guy with that much physical talent. Well, and the other thing was, like, Darius Davis used to drop the ball on returns more often than I'd have liked him to. But for every dropped ball he had, he had a play that was ridiculous and magical. JoJo is not showing the other side of that. Like, it's, it's, there hasn't been anything to say, like, oh, well, yeah, JoJo did that, but look at X. Like, there, there just hasn't been that much special that we've seen. Yeah. Uh, and, and one thing that I will say about JoJo versus Darius in the return game is, and if you guys listen to the Frogcast, JC kind of touched on this a couple of weeks ago. But and Darius Davis, whenever he's doing proper turns, never lets the ball touch the ground, period. And if if he's out there returning punts, he's going to do his best to get under the punt and so that we don't lose 10, 15 yards on a stupid bounce. And that's a pretty rare thing for punt returners, I think, nowadays. Um, and that's partly why he was so good as a returner because he helped mitigate like change of field position. And I've I've noticed that like drops aside, like bobbles aside on punt return, <laughs> um, JoJo Earl has doesn't do that. And so inevitably, like there will be times where we'll get a really bad bounce and lose twenty yards on a punt when it could have been like a. 40-yard punt. It's turned into a 60-yard punt. Yeah, and to further that, 
I think in Sonny's press conference yesterday, he stated that changes will be made in the punt return game. So we don't have to worry too much about that anymore. We don't have the speed and electricity on the team that is Darius Davis, but you don't really need that in a punt return. Like a punt return touchdown, kick return touchdown is great to have, but it's not common enough for it to be something that we rely on. I would rather have somebody with sure hands back there who will just catch the ball. We don't have to worry about them dropping it. Don't have to worry about them doing anything stupid. They just catch the ball. They do their job. And that's that. Yeah, I think, I mean, I, I think that's everything. Like that, that says, I, I have nothing to add to that because that's, that's exactly correct. I would like to circle back around to the offensive line. We kind of touched on them earlier, but I think they were so bad yesterday that we should talk about them again because good Lord, I, especially in the third quarter, I could not believe what I was watching. Like Chandler's decisions were not good. They weren't. But I think that was a side effect of just not having any time whatsoever to throw. And then when he did, on the rare occasion, have time to throw, he was so scared that he didn't have time to throw that he rushed and made a bad decision, didn't set his feet, his mechanics were off. It was just such a poor, poor performance by the offensive line. And I was looking at it yesterday at the game stats. Not all of this is offensive line, but we had seven penalties yesterday to West Virginia's two. And I know that two of them were those God awful calls on Derek Brown. You can't. I saw not Derek Brown. Oh, yeah. I'm watching the Panthers right now. (laughs) (laughs) Dominic Williams. Um, But, yeah, there were so many false starts again yesterday. This team is just undisciplined. That's that's all there is to it. They're just undisciplined. Well, and on top of it, the – to really put in perspective, because I know a lot of people reached out to me and said – like, I know you guys, three Wiseman, blame the OL a lot, but it really just was Chandler. Chandler just was that. And I'm not going to defend Chandler. He he was rough in a lot of points of that game. But to point something out to the fact that the o, O-line is having serious problems, Imani Bailey, who is our entire team, averaged less than three yards of play when in re- or a carry, when in reality that guy normally – averages like nine now it's not fair to expect averaging like nine but if he's averaging like three yards that's not just Chandler that is the O-line not giving us what we should expect out of them yeah to to kind of put that into perspective to Connor's point like Bailey's numbers with this West Virginia game included he's averaging five and a half yards of carry and so 
showing that kind of goes to show like how staunch of a difference we saw in this game versus the previous four games um, in terms of his productivity and a lot of a running back's productivity like whenever they're consistently being good then just drops off a lot of that can be attributed to an offensive line and then creating holes for them and um, you're I am a firm believer of the school of thought where you can have decent playmakers um, and if you have an incredible offensive line they can make them look really good and vice versa you can have phenomenal playmakers like it doesn't matter if you have incredible running backs receivers or whatever if the offensive line can't do their job can't create holes can't protect the quarterback and that's what we saw yesterday yeah and to, to me watching it almost felt like all of the yards that bailey did get were after contact so they were just effort plays him falling forward him working really hard it was just a poor performance and i do want to say we didn't have brandon coleman yesterday um we started colton deary uh, and then I think Benjamin Taylor Whitfield stood in occasionally for him as well. That side of the line, part of me understands. But that being said, we need to do better. Yeah, one one final note here I'll add on for kind of what didn't go well before we make this transition. And Chandler, like last game, I know we, we sang his praises and he did really well. And Chandler, I think, has shown that he doesn't have the level of deep accuracy that he needs in order to be really effective in this offense. And we've got big guys who have a lot of speed on the outside and in, in Savion Williams and Warren Thompson, which shot to Savion, he actually did well this game, showed up. Um, so praises to that. But um, we got a lot of speed on the outside, and part of the way that this offensive scheme for Kendall Ross is built is it's predicated on run the football and then beating you deep on play action or over the top. And Chandler, a lot, and it showed in this game, has not had the accuracy he needs on those deep throws to be able to utilize that part of the offense. I, I even texted you guys. At one point, the announcers had said, uh, Chandler Morris will beat you in every way. He'll beat you with his arm, and he'll beat you with his mind. And I stopped and like laughed out loud because I, I like Chandler, and I, I think he has potential. But I think they literally listed off the two ways Chandler is least likely to beat you. And I was like, well, how on earth was that their quote? He'll beat you with his arm and his mind. It's like he'll miss you by five yards with his arm. And with his mind, he'll throw the ball away in the end zone. <laughs> well, yeah. with that, we've had some fair share of negativity. And this game probably warranted some fair share of negativity. But what through it all did go well? Well, I think we started off the game very well, and I know we've ragged on Chandler for the first 15 minutes or so of the episode, but I do want to give props where props are due. His first touchdown pass to um, JPR was 
a dot. Perfect pass. Perfect placement. JPR did the rest. And then his second touchdown pass to Dalen Wright was another dot, which came after one of his worst throws of the game. (laughs) So that right there just shows you the duality of him. He has the ability to make those throws and then also the ability to almost hand the ball to the other team. And I thought he used his legs well in the first half. He had 60 yards rushing or so in the first half, which we completely got away from in the second half for some reason. Basically, the entire first half game plan we got away from in the second half. But I thought we started off the game well. And part of that was our receivers also not dropping passes. Which that that was really the first time this season we haven't dropped any passes. So props to them, but yeah, I thought our, I thought our receivers played well overall. I thought they were the one position group that actually played well on offense the whole game. Yeah, I I agree with that, and I love JPR. I I don't even have anything to say that you didn't say. I love JPR so much, though. Yeah, I think he's one of what two players or something like that to now score for and against TCU which is an interesting stat yeah I'll, I'll to go off the JPR talk and I think like obviously he only had three catches one of them for the big touchdown so that makes up a lot the majority of his yardage and watching him in this game. He looked really good, though, in his route running. Um, I know he didn't get targeted a lot, but he was getting open. He was creating space. His routes looked fluid, um, which is what you want to see out of a slot-type receiver. So I thought he was kind of the shining star of our offense this week. Um, defensively, our linebackers played really well. Um, they, they looked really good. I know like West Virginia ran the ball a lot. Um, and they racked up a bunch of rushing yards, but we looked really—they looked really good in coverage whenever they were asked to cover. Um, and I thought that um, Shad Banks stepping in, kind of playing that quarterback spiral, looked really good. Um, but yeah, I, I thought our defense played pretty well. I mean, it's—it's it's hard to. Sorry, you guys hear a bunch of craziness around me. It's hard to do well and rely on your defense to stop a bunch of offensive possessions when the offense is consistently starting around the 50 yard line. Yeah, I think the entire defense as a whole played extremely well yesterday. They allowed 24 points, and most of that came on short drives. And if you're allowing 24 points in the Big 12, you should probably win that game. I think that was probably the best defense we've seen this season. It was it was the first time, because every other game, whether it went well or not, I was screaming at the TV like, dear Lord, what's happening to our defense? Thank God for our offense. This was the first time I felt the alternative where... 
our offense didn't come to play, but our defense, our defense got really big stops when it mattered and we weren't able to capitalize on them, but our defense did their job. Yeah. And I want to circle back to Shad and we might be hearing a little bit more, even more about him later, but I thought he was really good in run support today. He surprised me and he was just flying to the ball. So linebackers were great. Corners were locked down for most of the game. They had like 150 yards passing or something like that. They had 60 yards passing in the first half. I mean, there's not much else you can do. If we had won this game, we would have looked back and said that this game from the defense was like the Texas game last year, where the offense did just enough to win, but the defense is the reason that we won. Also. I don't know if you saw it, but was Bud Clark robbed? Do you yes. guys think Bud Clark was robbed yes. on that interception? Yes. yes. I have in my snap memories, me standing up and cheering and sending out all my celebration of Bud Clark's interception. I, here's the thing. I'm open to the argument that it may not have been an interception. However, I'm not even vaguely open to the argument that once it had been called an interception, it was indisputable to the point of turning that over. Bud Clark got an interception. That was frustrating. Yeah, I think Connor brings up a good point on like the ref impact there uh, in terms of like if it's a call that you're going back and looking at the review of and trying to figure out if it should be overturned or not to, to what concept you need to have indisputable evidence and, and I'm not so sure that they did during on that point and to merit turning it over TCU fans have been let down by ref overturns before a la Baylor in 2019 2020 so Max was in. Max was in. Full stop. Full stop. I'll die before I give that one up. That same year, for what it's worth, that same this isn't relevant, but any listener who's listening hopefully is angry enough with me. Hertz was also short that year. But whatever. Hold on. We can keep going. Yeah, I, I think that's all I have from uh, what went well standpoint without kind of giving away too much for the future. <laughs> yeah. The only thing I have is the total yardages. Like TCU had 433 total yards to West Virginia's 343. So that just further advances the agenda that the defense did their jobs well, yesterday. It also furthers the agenda. The fact that we had so many more yards, it shows what you were saying that we can move, but we can't finish the drives. Like, we should have had substantially more production out of that many more yards. But with that, Jacob, do you want to give us our golden player of the week? Yeah, I mentioned earlier that we might be hearing more about this player. And the golden player of the week this week is 100% Shadrach Banks. He was phenomenal in pass defense, in run defense. He was flying to the ball, always making plays, 
held Green in check for the most part. I will say on Green's touchdown, it was Jamoy who was supposed to be the spy, not Shad. So I, I, Shad played fantastic this week. I have nothing else to say about him. Great job, Shadrach Banks. Well-deserved. He was an absolute stud. Barrett, do you have a Franken-sensational player for us? I do, yeah. So sticking on the defensive side of the ball, um, Franken-sensational player goes to Avery Helm. I thought Helm looked really, really strong in coverage. He was locked down on the outside, sliding into that number two role that Josh Newton did so well in last year. Um, Obviously, Newton's still on the team, but uh, he looked really, really good in coverage. And uh, he, he played well. We obviously limited them to like, I think, 150 or so yards of passing offense, which is really, really hard to do in this day and age in college football. Yeah, absolutely. And then last but not least, we have the player we want Murr out of. Now, this award was very competitive this week. A lot of players went out there and really played for the player we want Murr out of this week. However, uh, we had to make a choice. My original vote was for the referees, but I think that's just me being whiny. At the end of the day, the well and above player we want Murr out of is the offensive line. We talked about it a little bit earlier. Amani Bailey was able to get nothing in this game. Chandler had very little time to move. The offensive line was limited and was not doing their jobs this week. We we would most de- undoubtedly like to see Murr out of our offensive line. Yeah, and I, and I think a key marker of this to go off of that, Connor, is the fact that Amani did not do well. Like we we've talked about it in in weeks past where our, our interior specifically struggles with pass protection. And we know that that's an issue. But the fact that our run game, which our line is built for, also struggled is a big issue. For sure. Well, with that, what do we have to look forward to or what, what are we looking towards in the future at Iowa State? Well, this is an Iowa State team that got absolutely drilled by Oklahoma last week. It was like 50 to 20 or something like that. And all 20 of their points came in the first half. So not a hugely explosive offense. I mean, everybody knows they lost most of their team to gambling. So it's kind of an unknown what we would get from Iowa state early in the season. But that being said, their quarterback Rocco Becht or Rocco Becht, just over a thousand yards, good touchdown to interception ratio at nine to two, but he's not a huge runner. Thank goodness because Garrett green kind of gave us fits at times in the first half uh, escaping. They have a three-headed backfield. I won't say monster because I don't think any of them are that good. But Cartavius Norton, Abu Suma the third, and Eli Sanders. Each of them have over 100 yards rushing, but none of them have over 143 yards rushing. 
So they they get decent production. They spread the ball out. Their running backs really don't catch passes, though. They had seven passes caught between the three of them combined. They have three wide receivers who are of note. Uh, Jalen Noel has 250 yards and two touchdowns. Jaden Higgins has 244 with three touchdowns. And Daniel Jackson, who is 168 with two touchdowns. And then their tight end has 125 yards with one touchdown. His name is Benjamin Brommer. I would watch for him next week because if there was one player who TC struggled guarding in the West Virginia game, it was their tight end. On the defensive side of the ball, they're just solid. It's Iowa State. They're always going to be solid on the defensive side of the ball. Matt Campbell knows how to coach defense. Uh, players to look for, though, is or are Jeremiah Cooper. He has four interceptions and 24 tackles. And the fact that he's four interceptions in not very many games, like, what, six, five, six games this season, that's a pretty good stat line. Tyler Onyedim, Onyedim, I don't, sorry if I pronounced that incorrectly, but he has 23 tackles on their defensive line. Caleb Bacon is their best linebacker who has two sacks and 22 tackles. And their leading tackler is another defensive back named Bo Frayler. So the fact that their leading tackler is a defensive back doesn't necessarily bode well for them, but it does show that he's a solid tackler. And I'll, I'll kind of add on to this with some schemes here, obviously. But um, head coach Matt Campbell, been there since 2016. We all know his name. We all know he's a pretty decent head coach. Um, DC is John Heacock, who has also been there since 2016. So he's got a system in place, too. I think Heacock's one of the better DCs in the country, in my opinion. Um, and then OC is Nate Schielhaas who was previously their running backs and wide receiver coach last year and just got recently promoted to be the offensive coordinator. Now, to hop back to uh, the defensive side of the ball first, which I think is the most important side with Iowa State, uh, Jacob kind of touched on this earlier, but their leading tackler is a safety, which is normally not good and shows that you have a pretty horrible run defense. However... Uh, Heacock's system is an interesting one that I think is going to get more notoriety and become more common in the next few years in college football. And he runs really to 3-3-5-3-4, like multiple defense. But the difference to a normal 3-3-5 where like you have basically a slot corner is that they run a three-high safety. And so that center safety and that three high safety is really, really important in the offense, in the defensive scheme. So they need to be kind of a really solid safety with good instincts, good speed. They need to be good in run support. And it's really good against the RPO in particular, and because basically you have that safety sitting in that center spot where if the linebackers step up, they would fill that void. And it's also they're also really important in the run defense, specifically on outside runs. 
and so you basically have like a, a, a speed defensive player going full speed downfield to the running back because normally in offensive blocking schemes you're not necessarily focused on the second level and so in in terms of how tcu can kind of fight this offense this defensive scheme for next week and i think we're they struggle with power run schemes typically for the point that jacob made that like having your safety as one of your main run stoppers not being a big dude is going to be an issue so if we can utilize our power run scheme i think this this feeds into kendall Bryle's system very well um, especially having a couple tight ends on the field, running 21 personnel, they tend to struggle with that type of setup. So if we can run the ball down the middle and run it down their throats, we should have a pretty good game. Here. This is the final boarding call. Yeah, final boarding call for the offense. Um, <laughs> hopping, over, hopping over to kind of the defensive side for TCU versus like the offensive scheme for Iowa State it's a power run offense is, is really what it is at its base. Um, and you see that in their quarterback's numbers. They run a power run. They want to run it at you. They want to run, run it down your throats, and they want to beat you deep off of play action. And so like, that's kind of where having a statue quarterback who's not necessarily a strong runner but has a really great arm comes into play in their offense. Um, so... Again, we we said it last week. Dominic's got to have a big game here. He's got to got to run the line of scrimmage in this game. Um, look for them to throw some deep and intermediate throws behind our linebacking core as they step up. Um, we we really cannot let them get into a rhythm running the ball so that they can start using their play action and beat us deep. That's that is how we will lose this game if we can stop them on first and second down specifically first down and keep them behind the chains, we have a really good shot at winning this game and winning it soundly. That being said, it's a it's at Iowa State at night, and everybody knows weird things happen in Ames at night. Yeah, I'm terrified of Ames at night ever since 2017. I don't even think that was at night. I think it was just in Ames, and that in and of itself, weird things happen. I, I'm scared of Ames at night. I hope I have no reason to be, but I'm I'm scared of Ames at night. All right, well, steering away from what to expect at Iowa State, we have a guest genius again this week. <laughs> this genius is going to be familiar after last week. Things she likes are TCU, Taylor Swift, Matra, Cats. Apparently, she likes that throwback fraud guy from last week. Supposedly. Being annoying. Things she hates are Baylor. Welcome to the show, Mrs. Throwback Frog. What's up, y'all? Thanks for coming on. Yeah, of course. Thanks for having me. All right, we're going to dive into some stuff that happened last week and uh, some picks for next week. But before we do, do you have a hit or two or anything you'd like to say about this game this past week? Uh, You know, I'm still uh, mourning a little bit, so I'm just going to – we'll just skirt on past that. (laughs) That's a very fair answer. (laughs) Um, So around the Big 12 this past week, we – I have a couple thoughts. I don't like any of the thoughts I have. 
The first one I want to comment on is, is it possible that Texas is actually back? I mean, Texas played Kansas's number two quarterback. Who, I mean, he did torch us last year. But I, I mean, as soon as that first drive happened, I said that Texas was going to win by 50 to you guys. <laughs> um, they, they look, they look legit to me. Yeah, I, I think Texas looks really good. Um, I don't necessarily think I would go as far to say that they're back yet. But um, I don't necessarily think Texas has played like a strong quarterback so far this season. <coughs> they've, they've played some decent teams, obviously, and they've played Alabama. But Alabama doesn't look great this year. Um, their, their offense is definitely not good. They don't necessarily have a true quarterback. Um, and so I, I think – and they obviously didn't play Jalen Daniels. Um, so I think that, like, there's they're still out for me in terms of whether or not they're a great team. I think people agree with you. <laughs> uh, the whole airport is screaming that Barrett's right in Texas isn't bad. That's <laughs> yeah, you know, it's just the laugh track of, like, whenever I mention Texas, people just start laughing. <laughs> All right, what about you, Mrs. Throwback? What do you think? Um, I don't know. I'm I I'm pretty anti-Texas, so but they do I they've been looking decent, so I guess we'll have to see what happens. Recurring listeners know I have a season-long bet on them losing three games. So this is the first time this season I've started to worry about that bet. I'm still <laughs> holding out, but they've scared me. What about I was at the Texas Tech-Houston game, so I didn't get to see this. But UCF was up over 25 points before my phone died. And when I turned my phone back on, Baylor had won the game. What on earth are our thoughts about what happened there? Well, I had a lot of stuff keyed up to make fun of UCF for a second-half collapse. And... uh now, I don't think I can rightfully make fun of them. <laughs> uh, UCF did their best TCU impression this week, uh, <laughs> collapsing in the second half. Um, I I can't really tell you what happened because like they had 235 yards of rushing offense. Like the offense moved the ball well. But, I don't necessarily know what fell apart for them in this game. Mrs. Throwback, you have any thoughts? Um, I mean, I just feel bad for UCF because I really wanted them to be Baylor, but I uh, guess. Please. I'm from Florida, so I've got a lot of UCF buddies. I reached out <laughs> to all of them and told them all, welcome to the Power Five. Y'all just gave up. <laughs> three touchdowns in against the worst team in our conference. But, you know, I, as much as I enjoy hurting my UCF friends, I would have really rather seen UCF walk away with that win. Yeah, that one, it was just sore, especially after Baylor lost to, lost to Texas State <laughs> so aggressively. All right, well, a couple other notes from the week. Cue the we're so smart gif if we still have it. 
because all of us picked correctly, including Mrs. Throwback Frog's husband, that Houston would lose to Tech. All of us picked correctly that Kentucky would kick UF's teeth in. And except for me, because I'm dumb, except I was actually smart on this one, all of us picked correctly that Georgia would beat Auburn. Unfortunately, all of us picked incorrectly on Frankenmarsh, which was one of the most important games of the week. Frankenmarsh did not come through for us. And that put our final standings at Barrett sucking at picking games with eight and Jacob and I taking 10 points. Barrett weaseled by because he picked number two who did, or he picked number one who did in fact win. Those of you who follow us on Twitter, I gave out a hint as to what the mystery game was. During the Louisville game, I tweeted that the mystery game was featuring a team that had to do with both the words Lamar and Cardinals. So anyone watching the Louisville game would have known that I meant the FCS team, the Lamar Cardinals, who won in a nail-biter against Houston Christian. They were up, Lamar was up 21 to six going to the end of the third quarter. Houston Christian came all the way back to 29, 21 to 19. And yet again, one of our random games was a banger of a game on the week. With that, we have got some picks for this week. So, Jacob, who is winning this week? K-State at Oklahoma State. K-State. Barrett. That's an easy one, K-State. Mrs. Throwback. K-State. I'm with you guys. Hopefully we get to hit our hit our we're so smart again. We're all going with K-State. All right. Tech at Baylor, Jacob. Well, we know who I'm not picking. So I will be going with Tech. Barrett. I think this will be an interesting matchup, especially with Tech not having their quarterback for the season. Um their backup looks pretty good though. Obviously they beat Houston's. So I'm gonna ride with Tech on this one again. Mrs. Throwback. I'm also going to have to go with Tech, mainly because I just, you know, hate Baylor. But it is going to be an interesting game with the two kind of shit shows going on right now. (laughs) We are in week six. I don't think ever once has any one of us picked. Oh, no, Barrett picked them against Long Island. But other than that, there's been zero picks for Baylor. I'm not intending to break that now. I watched the Texas Houston or the Tech Houston game this week. I was there for it, and I described it as a very fun mid-off. I expect another very fun mid-off that Texas Tech wins against Baylor. Who's winning? TCU at Iowa State. Jacob. I'm gonna go with the Frogs. Barrett. Uh, uh, we talked about this one, obviously, but. This is going to be a tough matchup for the Frogs. I still think we pull it out, but I think it it could turn into a rough fight. Mrs. Throwback? Yeah, I I tend to agree with that, um, but definitely the Frogs. Anyone who doesn't pick the Frogs on this podcast, (laughs) TCU is winning this game. Next up, we have the Red River rivalry. For context, I'll give that Texas is picked by five and a half. Jacob. 
Yeah, Texas is picked by five and a half, but Oklahoma holds a 54% chance to win on ESPN's calculator. So I don't really know why the two are in a disconnect, but I'm choosing I'm choosing Texas because I, I I do unfortunately think that they're pretty good. Um gosh, this is a tough one because I don't like either of these teams. Um I don't think OU has looked that great recently. Um UT has looked really good recently. I still think OU pulls this one out, though. I think this is one of the games that Connor finally gets to get a sigh of relief and gets a loss on the UT schedule. Mrs. Throwback. Oh, um, I think that I think that Oklahoma is going to pull it out because I, since it's the Red River Red River rivalry, I can never say that. Um, I think that Texas is going to get too cocky and Oklahoma is going to take advantage of that. I was talking to my brother about this one today because he's in on the same season over under I have with Texas. He pointed out that a year ago at this time, Texas was four and one. And the only difference between them now is that they actually pulled off their game winning drive against Bama this year. He pointed out that they collapsed right after this and he expects them to collapse now. I really hope he's right. I really hope I'm wrong. I think Texas is winning this game. Next up, we have UCF at Kansas. Jacob. I'm going to take Kansas. I think Jalen Daniels is going to be back this game. And because of that, and to go along with UCF's complete collapse, uh, I'm taking Kansas. Barrett. Uh, yeah, this game's going to come down to whether or not Jalen Daniels can play. If he plays, KU takes this one in the landslide, I think, because UCF's defense has proven that they're not that great. Um, if he doesn't, I think UCF's run game can keep Kansas' offense off the field for a long enough period of time to pull this one out. I'm going to I'm gonna bet on the fact that Jalen Daniels plays, and I'm going to pick Kansas here. Mrs. Throwback. Um, I'm going to pick UCF. I think they're going to, I, I root for the underdogs a lot. I guess maybe that's my issue, but I really want them to come back swinging after <laughs> yesterday's game. All right. I am going with Kansas. I think Barrett's right. I think uh, their quarterback will be back and I think they'll run away with it. But after last week, I really feel like I have no feel for either of these two teams. The spread is Kansas by three, and I will not put money on that because I am terrified of predicting these two at this point, but I'm going with Kansas. All right, for this next set of Power 5 games, I'd like to point out that while I'm normally loosey-goosey in the number of games there are, I picked exactly the same as Throwback Frog had, so we have a fair measurement (laughs) of which one of these two guest pickers is better. Who is winning, Jacob, this week in LSU at Mizzou? Oh, LSU, easy. No competition. Barrett. Mizzou's looked really, really good this year. 
and I kind of ragged on them earlier in the year. Said that they had a lot of talent, they can never put it together. It looks like they've been able to put it together this year, but I think this is where that train stops. I think LSC goes in and pulls out the win. Mrs. Throwback. LSU. All right. We're all riding with LSU this week. That either scares me or makes me excited. Bama at A&M. Jacob. I'm going to take the upset and pick Texas A&M. They played better than I thought they would last week. And so I'll roll, roll with them this week. Barrett. A&M's defensive line is really, really good. Like, scary good. And couple that with the fact that Bama's quarterback system and quarterback choice is kind of up in the air right now. I think that A&M pulls this game out. Mrs. Throwback. Uh, uh, I don't know. Um, I'm going to go with Bama for no real reason, but that just feels like what's going to happen. <laughs> uh, y'all will see when I give my bets in a minute. I have money on this one. Um, I think A&M's walking away with this. I don't think Bama's as good as they usually are this year. And I also think that it'd be funny to have to see the A&M fans start, or the Texas fans start reconciling their win with A&M's. Um, I think A&M is taking this win. Who is winning in Notre Dame at Louisville? Because I think Louisville looks kind of good this year. Yeah, Louisville's offense is extremely explosive. Their defense is terrible. So I'm going to take Notre Dame. Yeah. Um, I know Barrett's feelings about Notre Dame. <laughs> this is an easy choice for me. But I think Notre Dame is probably the better team, but I'm, I'm riding with Louisville. Let's go Cardinals. Mrs. Throwback. Oh, um, I'm going to go Cardinals, too. Louisville. All right, well, every time we pick Louisville, or every time we pick on Notre Dame, Barrett and I pick opposite, because I almost always pick Notre Dame, so I'm riding with Notre Dame. Um, Wake Forest at Clemson. Jacob. Unfortunately, I think this game is going to be a blowout. I'm going to take Clemson and the points, whatever the spread is. Barrett. Yeah, I, I, I tend to agree with Jacob. Unfortunately, Wake has lost all of their great players to the transfer portal. And now they're kind of stuck with next to nothing. And I think Clemson pulls this game out. Mrs. Throwback. I'm going to go Clemson. I'm not going to lie to you guys. I picked this one because I needed two more games to make it even <laughs> last week. But we're not all going the same way. I feel it in my bones. Wake Forest is running away with this one. All right. Last but not least of this round, San Jose State at Boise. Jacob. I think that San Jose State will get confused as to what is the field and to what is a Boise State player. And they won't be able to do anything. So I'm going to go with Boise. Barrett. 
I'm gonna go ride with the Spartans here. We'll, we'll pick the lighter blue of the two. And they actually looked okay against USC earlier this year. So let's ride with the Spartans. Mrs. Throwback. I'm not gonna lie to y'all. I have no idea who either of these teams are. Um, so I'm going to go with Boise State. Calls herself a TCU fan and doesn't know who Boise is. Well, I like I know who it is. Like, uh, but, like no, uh, uh, not- just full disrespect from me. <laughs> hey, hey, hey! Uh, I here's the thing: is like these are not a team. These are not two teams that I think that I would ever sit down and willingly just continue watching, but. <laughs> Maybe that's uh, just me. Blue field respecter. I am running with Boise State. <laughs> I actually hate that I agree with Mrs. Throwback. I wanted to disagree with her just for what she just said. <laughs> um, now we're on to the more important round of picks. We have got West Carolina, more greater known than North or South Carolina, West Carolina at Chattanooga. Jacob. You know... I went to high school just outside of Charlotte, uh, and it felt like half of my graduating class went to Western. So I, w- I would feel like I would be doing them a disservice if I didn't pick Western Carolina. Barrett. Directional schools, man. Enough said. West Carolina by 90. All right, Mrs. Throwback, you're allowed to not have heard of the second round of schools before we judge you this time. Who are you going with? Okay, I'm glad that I cannot uh, have known about these. However, I do know about West Carolina, so I'm going to go with West Carolina. Okay, I don't have my camera on. You guys can't see the hurt in my eyes. (laughs) Western Carolina and not Boise. Um, I don't want us all to pick the same thing, and I think I'm going to need the bonus points, so I'm going with Chattanooga just to hope to get some points over you three. Um, American International at Assumption. Jacob. (laughs) Um, Mrs. Throwback, you're not alone having never heard of either of these teams. (laughs) Good, good, good. Uh, uh, I'm going to assume... That assumption isn't bad. So I'm going to take them over American International. (laughs) Barrett. Yeah, I'm going to take the perennial powerhouse that is the International Air Force of America. (laughs) (laughs) Let's let's ride with the the red, white, and blue. Mrs. Throwback. Just to be a contrarian, I'm going to go with Assumption. But where are either of these schools? <laughs> Mrs. Throwback, if I had that in <laughs> I'd have picked these schools. Um, I, I always try and pick my Catholic schools, and Assumption sounds Catholic. <laughs> so I'm Wait, wait, wait. Then let me change. Then let me change. Never mind. I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Our last one in this round is some real perennial powerhouses. We have FDU Florm at Kings of Pennsylvania. I see your face, Jacob. It's spelled on my ESPN app, F-L-O-R-H-M. Don't know what it is. Perennial powerhouses, who are we going with? Uh, I need to look at the spellings of these <laughs> in the text that you sent. FDU, 
What's that stand for? I'm pretty sure it's floor. <laughs> but what's FDU? Uh, like Florida Dominion? Um, I guess I live in London now, so I should support the Kings, but I'm not. <laughs> so I'm going to go with Florm. What, whatever Florm is, I'm going for it. Barrett. Down with the monarchy. Let's go FDU. <laughs> Mrs. Throwback. I'm going to go, is it Kings, Pennsylvania? Yes, Kings, Pennsylvania. Hey, I'm going to go with them. Let's go. <laughs> All right. I had gone in planning to go with Kings, but Jacob made an interesting point that the F in FDU might stand for Florida. <laughs> I respect my Florida teams. I'm going with maybe Florida Dominion University Florida. <laughs> FDU Florm by 90, boys. <laughs> All right. And last but not least of our picks, we have the mystery game. As always, Excel is picked for me. I'm going with team two. Jacob, one or two? I'm going to switch my pick from last week, and I'm going to go with team one. Barrett, one or two? Team one. Worked out well last time. Let's ride with him again. All right. I don't like that I'm on the other side of both of you because you could now run away with me. I really hope I take that. Mrs. Throwback, for almost all the marbles against your husband, one or two? <laughs> um, two. Fantastic. All right. With that, I've got my bets for this week just to give you, if any of you want to print your own money and follow my bets that obviously never fail, I'll have you all know I am up $15 on the season. I clearly know what I'm doing. I have Jacksonville State minus 4.5 at Middle Tennessee State. I have a friend at Middle Tennessee State. I love betting on Middle Tennessee State to support my buddy, and they have cost me serious money this year. Jacksonville State's taking 4.5 points. K-State at Oklahoma State. K-State minus 10.5. Uh, Jacob over here convinced me on that one, so I am riding with K-State. Illinois minus three versus Nebraska. Nebraska is a dumpster fire. That is an easy one to hammer. I'm taking Texas minus 5.5 in the Red River rivalry. I think that game will be closer than it should be, but I think Texas does win by a touchdown. I'm taking A&M plus three versus Bama and A&M Moneyline, like I already said earlier. And last but not least... My Georgia fan girlfriend is not in the room. I don't need to wear a cup while I say this. I don't know what the spread is, but I'm taking Kentucky with the points because Georgia is 0-4-1 and and against the spread. So whatever spread comes out, I'm taking Kentucky. With that, thank you all for listening. Thank you for tuning in to your three favorite geniuses as well as our guest genius, Mrs. Throwback Frog. And check in next week for more of our not-so-genius takes on all things TCU football and other interesting things around the country. Go Frogs! Last night took a L, but you're not a bounce back, boy. I've been broke as hell, catch the check and bounce back.